you have your Bibles, please turn to them to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we are a people in search of truth. And Lord, we need not search any further than the truth that is here in your word. Your word is truth. It abides forever. And we pray you would lay it upon our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. When I was a young boy, my father said that everything, every time I spoke to him, it always started with why. Why, daddy, this? Why that? I was very curious and I always wanted to know why. And of course, I wore him out with those questions. And I now see this in my own young children. They're very curious. They want to know why. But really, we all want to know why, right? It's, it's in our human nature to ask, to want to understand why. And this premise extends to all of life, to life's biggest questions. Why am I here? Or even bigger, more complicated questions. Why does why does God let the world go on the way he does? Why is there pain and sickness and death and evil? Why? 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 Well, I believe this petition, this second petition here in the Lord's Prayer, begins at the, get at the heart of why. And it has to do with God's kingdom purposes. And so that's what we'll be looking at this morning. Remember that we, again, are in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, which consists of Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And in Jesus' sermon here, he's instructing his disciples on how they are to live in his kingdom. So that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about, kingdom living. And then certainly in kingdom living and learning kingdom living, we must learn about prayer. And the goal in prayer, the goal in kingdom life is what we'll look at later in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And again, certainly we start doing this. We seek his kingdom and his righteousness by petitioning the Lord in prayer to bring his kingdom. Jesus is taking us further and further down this path of 
cultivating a healthy spiritual prayer life. He wants to show us how to have this deep, intimate connection with God the Father through prayer. And so he teaches us not to model our prayers after the super religious holy people, the Pharisees, nor are we to model our prayer lives after pagans with babbling on and on and on. No, Jesus says, pray like this. I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you how to pray, the Lord says. And so in this Lord's Prayer, it's certainly a prayer we can pray every day. And God the Father is pleased with it. But this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it is a model. It shows us how to pray. Not necessarily every specific thing we're to pray, but a model of how we pray. Pray like this, Jesus says. And this prayer is made up of petitions, requests that we are making to God the Father before his throne of grace. They aren't declarations, they're not agreements, they're not little sticky notes we hand over to God, they're requests that we make of him. Lord, please do these things. And so last week in the Lord's Prayer, we looked at the first petition, hallowed be thy name. And in this petition, we learn that God is holy, and his name is holy. His glory, his holiness is what the universe is all about, is what all of life is about. Your goal in life, the goal of all creation, is to bring glory to the triune God. And so we pray not only that his name would be hallowed, we also pray that his kingdom would come. And so this petition, your kingdom come, this petition gives us in a nutshell the entire purposes that God has for the world. That petition means the purpose of the world is to advance his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. This is the heart of the message of the Bible what all of life is about. This is, the, this is the base layer. This is the foundation. This is the meta-theology. This is, this is God's big picture for the, for the world. The holy triune God, Yahweh, who is Jesus Christ, that his kingdom would advance and that his kingdom would be established. And so in Matthew Chapter 6, verse 10, this petition, your kingdom come, the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus tells us that we are to petition the Lord's mighty reign through the advancement and establishment of his kingdom. That is what this petition means. To pray that the Lord's mighty reign would take place through the advancement and the establishment of his kingdom kingdom. And so let's answer two questions about this petition. First, what is the kingdom? And secondly, what does it mean to pray for the kingdom to come? So that's the two things we'll look at. What is the kingdom? And what does it mean to pray that the kingdom would come? First, what is the kingdom? Well, we have learned before, if you remember several months back, as we began our study in the Sermon on the Mount, that the kingdom is a prominent theme 
of the entire Bible. Simply put, the, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as the New Testament writers put it, it's simply the reign of God. His kingdom is his reign. He is the king over his kingdom. And if we go back to the very beginning of Scripture and we ask this question, what is the Bible's big picture? What's the main point of all of Scripture? What is the theme that is guiding all biblical history that explains God's purposes in the world? We will discover that the answer to this question is it's the kingdom of God. Again, this is the, the meta-theology. This is the, the big story that guides every biblical writer, that guides every story, every, every letter, every poem, Every declaration. And in the Old Testament, we discover that Yahweh God, he is the, he is the ruler of the kingdom of heaven. And in the very good beginning, Adam and Eve were created for one purpose and one purpose only, to glorify him. And their specific task was to inhabit paradise, the Garden of Eden, and to fill it. To fill the whole earth. That was their job given to them by their creator. It was to establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. The Garden of Eden was not supposed to be this little niche organic garden that God established in one specific place on earth. It was to fill the whole earth. That was Adam and Eve's job. They were, they were to do this by being fruitful and multiplying and having dominion over the earth and filling it. So Moses is saying in Genesis chapter 1 that we are like the king and we are made in his image. And the role of the image of God is to bring the rule and the will of God to earth as it is in heaven. The role of humanity was to make the entire planet the kingdom of God, to bring his kingdom to this earth. Well, it wasn't far into Genesis that we observed that Adam and Eve failed in their kingly task by the entrance of sin into the world. And so that leaves us with the question, what's God's plan now? How is he going to fulfill his vision, his plan? Well, jumping ahead to the New Testament, we read Jesus showing up. On the scene, in the world, preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The message of the kingdom that is proclaimed and announced in the New Testament is that the kingdom is not coming in the form of an army or a political movement, but in the form of a person, a man, the God-man. The Lord Jesus Christ. The promise of the reign of the Almighty God and the establishment of his kingdom that was prophesied in the Old Testament has now arrived in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this kingdom message serves as the background for the sermon on the mount. The kingdom has come and now this is kingdom living. 
But we can look around easily and say, I don't see the kingdom. Where is it? Why doesn't it show itself mightily? Why doesn't God's kingdom have its own news channel? That's not a good illustration. There actually is a channel that thinks it's probably the kingdom of God's news channel. <laughs> how, how, are we to, how are we to view this kingdom? How do, we, how do we see it? How do we notice it? Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is reigning in this world with evil, with pain, and with sin and suffering. Because that's what we see, right? We see death. We see evil. We see pain. Where's the kingdom of God? Well, at this point, it's helpful for us to understand a principle that theologians call the already but not yet. The already but not yet. And in this teaching, we affirm that the the kingdom has come in Jesus. His life, his teaching, his death have inaugurated the kingdom of God so that it is a present reality. The kingdom has come. It is already here because Jesus has come and has died and has risen. But, but, there's also the reality that the kingdom has not yet fully come. It has been inaugurated, but it has not fully come. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains it this way. The kingdom of God, in one sense, has not been established on earth yet. It is a kingdom which is to come, yes. But it is also a kingdom which has come. The kingdom of God is among you and within you. The kingdom of God is in every true Christian and in the church. It means the reign of God, the reign of Christ, and Christ reigning today in every true Christian. So another helpful way for us to understand the the times that we live in, to grapple with this kingdom already but not yet, to understand our present reality, is through another mnemonic device called the ICC Outlook, I. And two C's, letter C's. Stands for inauguration, continuation, consummation. Inauguration, continuation, consummation. So the kingdom has has been inaugurated. It has has come through the person and work of Jesus Christ. But has not yet been consummated, which will occur at Christ's second coming, at his second advent. And so we live now between the two advents. We live between the the two comings of Christ. He's come, he was born as a baby in the manger. He lived on this earth for 33 years. He was risen to heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning, and he will come again one day. And so we live now between those two times. We we live in the end times, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about all the crazy end time theology. We are there. Christ is coming again. 
This is the continuation period that we live in. We are waiting. We are longing. We are anticipating the return of Christ to consummate his kingdom. And it's already here, but not yet. And so during this time, the already but not yet, the continuing establishment of God's kingdom here on this earth, we pray, Lord, God our Father, your kingdom come. And so what does it mean to pray this? What does it mean to pray that God's kingdom would come? Well, two main things. First, that God's rule would be extended to the nations and all of creation would submit to Christ. Quite simply put, we pray that the sovereign rule of God would come. And, but secondly, we pray in this petition a cry for the consummation of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In a sense, Lord, wrap this thing up, please. That's what we pray. So in that first thing, that we pray that the sovereign rule of God, that his glory, that his rule would be extended to the nations and that all creation would bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And when we pray this, we're asking that every day the Lord would continue to call more and more disciples to himself so that God would be glorified and that his people would use their gifts to advance his kingdom. Because that is your job. That is our job as the church, as disciples of Christ, to spread the glory of his kingdom. But we are also praying that the Lord would increasingly send forth his light and truth into this world, thereby scattering and dispelling and and vanquishing and destroying the darkness and the lies of Satan. We are praying, Lord, destroy the kingdom of Satan. And it's rarely highlighted in the church, is it not? Rarely do we preach of this particular purpose of God's glorious intentions in his kingdom which is to overthrow the power of Satan on this earth. For this is one of the reasons that Christ came to die. In Colossians, Paul says, Jesus Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them on the cross. He came to destroy the power of sin and death. And so we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, continue destroy the power of sin and death. A Christian, you should pray daily that God's kingdom would come by establishing his sovereignty and his lordship and his rule over this earth. This petition, this request, this prayer, it's looking to God to take action. Looking to Christ to rule. It's not for his disciples to come and to take the kingdom by force. The Lord Jesus will establish his kingdom. He will establish his rule. It is his power and his might that we pray for. 
And in this day and age, that's a fundamental difference to understand between Christianity and Islam. In Islam, it is believed, especially with the crazy apocalyptic in Islam that we read about in the news in the form of ISIS, they believe that they will come and take this world, this earth, by force. And then when they subdue it, then Muhammad will come and set up his kingdom. It's a huge difference we must understand. As Christians, we pray, no, Lord Jesus, you come. You destroy your enemies. You establish your kingdom. And Lord Jesus, I would love to be a part of that. <laughs> By your will and your way. Jesus is a much better savior and a much better conqueror. And he will do it. He has the power over heaven and earth. So we pray that God's sovereign rule would come when we pray your kingdom come. We also pray for the consummation of the kingdom. The, the final judgment. The end of days. The arrival of the new heavens and the new earth. That is what we pray when we pray your kingdom come. This petition is eschatologically oriented. It has an end times focus to it. The finality of this world. When we pray that we, this, we are asking for the final consummation, for the fulfillment of all things, which will take place when Christ returns, and he alone will be exalted at the end of days. He will gather his elect into glory with himself, and will have finally conquered and destroyed the power of darkness and the dominion of Satan. Sin will be no more. Or as Revelation so eloquently puts it, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Sin and death will be no more. And we also read in Revelation chapter 11 that when this happens, when the kingdom comes, it will be declared by the loudest voices from heaven. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Q handles Messiah. He shall reign forever and ever. That is what we pray. But it's a difficult time for us to live in. It's hard to live in the already, but not yet. We continue to struggle with remaining sin in our own lives. We we, we wrestle and we fight with the temptations of the world, the temptations of the flesh, the temptations of Satan himself. Because our daily experience right here and right now is to battle sin. Evil is a very present reality. And so we can't help but ask, why? Why, Lord? This petition is very practical for the Christian life because we long for a day when Christ will ultimately triumph over sin and defeat evil and Satan. But our experience now, our finite understanding of God's plan now 
makes us ignorantly cry out to God, answer me now. And if God doesn't answer, if he doesn't fulfill every why question that I have, then we sinfully think that if he doesn't do it, that he must not be good or he must not be God or he's just not real. It was a long time ago that Jesus walked the earth. Almost 2,000 years. And so since he has not returned by now, then he must have forgotten about us. So goes the argument. Because if we were God, we would do it differently, right? That is where this sinful, ignorant argument leads. This is not what Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that God will answer in his timing. God will fulfill and establish his kingdom on his time. And even that is ignorant to say because God knows no time. He doesn't exist in time and space. And this is where we must turn to the words of Jesus. We must trust in him. We must trust that it has all been decided by his life and his death and his resurrection. And so we look to the skies as the angels told us to do. And we await for him to return. And during this time, we pray, your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. So we began our study by asking the question, why? Why does God allow evil and the light to rule our our world? Why? The reason given to us by God's word is this, it is for his glory. It is for his glory and the establishment and the advancement of his kingdom. God has a plan on this earth, in this history, to to reunite all things in heaven and on earth together under the lordship and the kingship of Jesus Christ. And his purpose now in all things is to establish his kingdom and to do so for his glorious purposes. And therefore we can rejoice and we can say with the Apostle Paul that we know that in all things, all things, good, bad, evil, and different, all things, God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And he will do all things. For his glory and the establishment and the advancement of his kingdom. And that is why we pray. That is why we petition to our heavenly Father. Your kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus. Establish your kingdom. Show off your glory. Usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Consummate your work. Destroy sin and Satan. And so those are the last words of the Bible. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, we pray. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we confess to you that we have weak faith. We have finite eyes and finite minds. And we think, Lord, in our sin, sinful nature, that because you don't do things the way that we would do them, or you don't answer us right now, your plan is not good. Father, that is not true. The greatest good that could ever be accomplished for us, you did by sending your one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. So we thank you that you have done the most good for us in our life. But Father, the greatest good is your glory and the advancement and the establishment of your kingdom. So Lord, help us to pray earnestly, sincerely, with great faith. Your kingdom Jesus' name, amen.